0: New year everybody. Welcome to 2017. The future is here, people. We are in uh thankfully a brand new year. Uh, even though the year has nothing to do with it. Uh, we're here, okay? Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, for those of you that are new, my name is Alex Giorfanos and I'm an engineer. I went to school to be an aerospace engineer. And, uh, worked around, uh, tried to find something that was fulfilling to me, you know, that I wanted to do. It's why I went to engineering school and, and paid as much as I did for college is to do engineering and, uh, in the work in the, in the field, I wasn't doing work that I wanted. And over three years, I, i slowly picked up a 3d printer and I started, uh, doing engineering on my own you know to to feed that you know the need what what I wanted to do my passion which is engineering you know and science and then it also evolved into this podcast where I talk about space and hopefully bring science and space science to everybody that's uh my goal and and 2017 is the first year that I am doing both of those things full time i recently uh, stopped working uh, at a company and started my own company today in space, which uh, helps promote scientific outreach through this podcast, through our online stuff, whether we go to NASA socials or anything like that. We're going to bring the space industry to you. We're going to help tell the story and learn about all the different things because it's not just space science, not just astrophysics. If, if you look at the new, if you've seen the new banner that we're doing for this year, you know, it's not just about astrophysics. It's about biology. It's about chemistry. It's the economics of the whole thing. You know, you got to pay money to get in space. Space is expensive. It's not, you know, something you can just do. Uh, but it's also energy. It's um, multidimensional. It's even, it's even metaphysical in a way. You know, there is definitely uh, a, a strange spiritual thing that comes with it. Think about the first, you know, some of the earliest effects of space on, on the humankind, you think about it, like all the different, uh, cultures that have different myths and mythologies with constellations, my, uh, ancestors, the Greeks, I mean, we're well known for, uh, you know, the, the heavens, the gods in the heavens, you know, and telling the story of life through the stars and the constellations, you know, uh, space is in everything. And it's not only that, it's also in our sci-fi and it's also, it's it's also about determination. It's about uh, putting in the effort and and really grinding down and and combining your resources and solving a problem. And it's about me and you. It's about human beings, regular people, uh, who who love space and everything that comes with it. You know, and one of the things I've said on this show before is that you know if we took every career we have on Earth, I, I would be hard pressed to find. More than a hundred that wouldn 't relate some way to a job in space, you know if we were actually in space living in space, you know you could do your career in space so you 've infinitely you 've instantly <laughs> doubled the job market you 've instantly uh caused a complete disruption in 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 culture well now we 're going to have two or hopefully one giant culture but you know people that live in space and people that live on earth or people that live on planets and people that live in orbit you know there's so much that could happen here in the future and you know we're just starting to grasp at mars we're just starting to really see what's really out there you know i think hubble has has for the decades it's been in operation it has helped us see what's really out there. And I think I was reading a post earlier today. I got to pull it up because it was just really fascinating. How many published papers Hubble has helped create? Uh, it's in the thousands. I am wondering if it's hundreds of thousands. But just, just I mean, just that that thought alone. Uh, here, over 14,000 peer-reviewed papers. That was the music in the background. I want a little taste of it very epic. I like it. But anyways, so we've got all those things that, that have helped us open our eyes. Then we've got the missions uh, that went, the mission that went to Pluto, New Horizons, which I had a tiny, I got to be a tiny, tiny bit bit of it uh, during a NASA social I did last year, which was so much fun. I'm hoping to do more this year. But not to get sidetracked, space is is can involve virtually anything it's not just astrophysics and you know how do stars form that is also it but it's not just that so this year i'm focusing on helping to bring that to you guys in something that's um manageable for everybody that you know if i I started listening to podcasts because i i was a commuter a big commuter i was doing at one time 15 hours a week of commuting so podcasts were a necessity. I I could not have worked the last, we'll just say five years, commuting that kind of time, and not having something to to make that time productive because it's in, it's maddening sometimes, especially up in here in Boston. The traffic's gotten a lot worse. Although people in California and Washington D.C. not talking about you, it's different. <laughs> it's a different level of traffic, but this year hoping to bring you know uh, something that that you can do in in a regular commute you know There's going to be 35 minute episodes around there and for the most part and we're also going to be switching off every week so one week we 're going to bring a topic, and then the next week we're going to bring orbital news and we 'll tell you you know what 's up in space and then we'll flip flop it like that so we'll get to cover a whole bunch of stuff it'll be a little bit for everybody, the people that want to learn you know about a topic a specific topic like our most popular uh, episode to date on on both the website and just the podcast in general. The most listened to episode is our warp engines episode, and that's something that uh, I just saw the internet blow up on and I had a bunch of people ask me about it and that's where it came from and it's our most popular episode. So, in 2017, please, if if you have anything that you want me to cover, if you have anything you want me to dive into or, you know, do a bit about whatever, hit me up, send me any ideas you guys have. I want to make this show something you guys want. So, tell me what you guys are looking for and uh, I would love, love to bring it. So, Uh, Let me know. You can email me at todayinspacepodcast at gmail.com. You can hit me up on Twitter at Greco. that's E-L-G-R-3, the number, C-O, and at Facebook at the Today in Space podcast. So, now that the uh, rambling introduction is over, let's talk about this year. I mean, this this year has been... uh, Pretty amazing as far as space is concerned. We're going we're gonna to talk a lot about what, what came from this year. What did 2016 bring us? And then we're also going to talk about what can we expect in 2017. Uh, there's just as much excitement in 2017 as there was in 2016. And, you know, really, let's just, let's just get into it um, and, and talk about the first thing. Uh, in 2016, we had uh, a lot of incredible, you know, rocket history made between the private space race that's going on between SpaceX and Blue Origins. And, you know, at the beginning of 2016, SpaceX really did dominate the discussion. You know, they were were openly testing their landing capabilities. You know, they had posted a bunch of videos, I remember them being on Vine, I remember seeing them on Twitter, where you would see, you know, the rocket Landing attempts. I think believe that dominated the beginning of the year, and then on, yeah, I think believe it was April eighth at yep April eighth at four forty three, uh, the two stage Falcon nine rocket blasted off uh, from Florida's Cape Canaveral Air Force Station, and this was you know they were live streaming the the potential rocket landing. It was a big thing. I remember staying up uh, and watching it. It was incredible, and just just let's just go back to the audio, and let's just just this this happened on April eighth of this year. So the landing gear has started. They've got a video of of course I love you. The drone ship. Here it comes down. Listen to the reaction. It just landed In the middle of the ocean On a drone ship Autonomously By itself People are going insane You can't even hear the people who are commentating Who have done a great job this year Uh, SpaceX has brought production value That's crazy But I Listen There's there's no flashing sign that's saying applause. These people are legitimately going nuts. When have you heard excitement like this? World Series, football. Listen to this. I mean, it's just it's just crazy, and and amazing and if If you want evidence, is there a space race Are people interested in space? Listen to that audio i I mean and there's way more of those. There were plenty of other launches where they did other landings and 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 Spacex was very good about how they how they presented what kind of uh, an achievement they were doing that mission you know you always knew uh you know this will be the first um first stage uh Landing attempt, you know, at such a speed, you know, we've never come from this orbit and landed a rocket at the same time. It, we're, we're, you know, or well, basically, we think there's like a twenty percent chance of this happening, but we're going to give it a try anyways because we're already here. Uh, our and they always, always stressed that the f- primary mission was always the major goal. They're very good about stating that. They could have just walked over it. They could have just, you know, made it about the thing, but but they they're clear messages you know our customers are first that's that's what our company is made off of but we're also going to develop our future R&D you know we're going to develop our technology to make human spaceflight and just space flight in general something that's affordable and reusable which brings down the cost and and brings us into this new era where we're not basically taking a one-way flight with a 747 and paying for one ticket. And it's going to cost you tens of, no, millions of dollars for that one ticket. We're talking about doing like a Dreamliner. Well, okay, I'm not going to say Dreamliner. We're talking about a commercial-styled plane that you're going to bring you know, from, from L.A. to Boston 100,000 times or more. You know, that's what we're talking about. So think about the price of the ticket you pay for now. Imagine if you had to pay the full, the whole ticket, right? So that's what we want to bring space to. So it's more accessible, not so much to the individual at first, but it's the people that can pay for it, which are governments, which are major companies that have, you know, satellite uh, necessity, uh, giant science organizations like NASA, Roscosmos, ESA, um, JAXA, Uh, And there's plenty, plenty more uh, that I just can't think of the top of my head. That's what they're trying to do. And then the ultimate goal, which they also came out with their plan this year, which is the interplanetary transport system, which is the system that will bring essentially a colony load of people to Mars. But not only that, the same craft will also deliver and do multiple test landings in the years coming to us actually going to Mars. And their estimated date with their plan that they've already outlined could happen in all of our lifetimes and in only maybe a few decades. What? Like, that's crazy. It really is. And, 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 you know, before this and the whole reason Elon Musk has said, you know, his why SpaceX started was because he was originally going to try and find ways to, you know, raise money and help push the efforts of, you know, going to Mars and pushing human exploration. And there was no plan, but now there is. And it's actually, you know, now NASA has a plan, you know, so that, that kind of momentum has pushed us forward. And the other thing uh, that, that definitely pushed momentum in 2016 was at the end of 2015, uh, Blue Origins actually beat SpaceX to the punch at landing uh, a rocket for that, that has gone to space with their Blue Shepard, uh, with their New Shepherd rocket. Blue Origins is the company from Jeff Bezos, the owner of Amazon. So a very different company, though, and a very different rocket altogether. So the suborbital flight company, Blue Origins, wants to make human space flight easier and basically makes so that humans can go into space easier. Uh, a different approach from uh, Virgin Galactic's approach where, you know, it's, it's kind of more like a... It would be more like a star liner taking you just to the edge of space and then floating down. That's the Virgin Galactics where the suborbital stuff, you could actually be doing, um, bringing humans into suborbital space. But the difference between new shepherd and the Falcon nine are very, very different. Number one, the height and weight alone are two completely, they're two completely different things. New, you know, new, Shepard is half the size of the Falcon 9 first stage. You know, what it can bring into space, two totally different things. You know, uh, the Falcon 9 can bring satellites, it can bring human beings, it can bring supplies to the International Space Station, where, and I I don't know the complete facts of the new Shepard, but, you know, the thrust is only, I think it's 100,000, where the... Falcon Nine is up at one and a half million pounds of thrust, so there's there's a big difference already so they they're two total different classes of rockets. I think I made a comparison in a in one of the first episodes we talked about this, but you know it's like. It's like the difference between like a Prius. Like New Shepard is kind of like the Prius of going into space right now. Or like the Falcon Nine is kind of like the the T one hundred. You know, it's a it's a slim truck. You know, you're gonna help. You're gonna bring a whole bunch of things into orbit. But not only that, that truck is a fucking transformer and it lands on a rocket. But you know, the Prius is also a transformer, a little bit different. But you know, they're they're very different things. And the, you know, one of the good articles that you'll find in this week's episodes, uh, Space Links, is they're not the same but in in rocketry in modern rocketry both of them have accomplished something that has not been done before P- purely historic moments in rocket science where you know i had a debate with a chemistry professor in college about spacex and the biggest thing that he was saying was i just don't it doesn't make sense to me that you know, you're not changing the, ima- the amount of fuel that's being used. If anything, you're going to need more fuel because you're going to need to burn it on the way back. And for him, it was a very, you know, hey, I don't really know how much money they're going to save. You know, isn't it, isn't it most of it fuel? Um, which is is a solid argument, but at the same time, you know, it really does... We've basically been, like, launching off the planet, and this is a crude example, but with, like, just a giant open nozzle and pumping fuel, as much fuel as we could, as fast as we could, out the back. You know, eject the most mass possible and just get us off the planet, you know. uh, Use use multi-stage rockets to get us to hurl our mass into orbit, and then from orbit we'll launch somewhere else, you know, where now we're talking about, Taking this, you know, going from like stomping up the stairs with your heels to like the Nutcracker performance, like ballet at its finest. You know, we're tr- starting into the era of rocketry ballet. You know, where essentially we're doing these crisp, precise, uh, efficient moves to not only bring a bring a payload, whether it be cargo or robots or human beings or all three. We're also bringing our equipment back so that we don't have to spend i guess the the example i've i've heard which i think is the best to keep all of rockets under cars if the if blue if blue origin's new Shepard is the prius and spacex is um, spacex's falcon 9 we're just going to Turn up the truck example because I didn't. T one hundred is a good truck, but it's not what the Falcon Nine is. Falcon Nine is kind of like a Raptor truck. It's like a sport truck that can fuck you up, um, go really really fast, and it's way too fast for a truck to go. But it's amazing, you know. Like that's the Falcon Nine. Then the rocket systems that NASA builds, you know, those kind of things. They're building these Ferraris. Every time they build something. And I don't mean that in a bad way. And this is something that 27 will bring more uh, into light, you know, in the spectrum of new space versus old space. You know, NASA smartly has been investing in new space, you know, with their commercial space program, you know, uh, companies like Boeing and SpaceX have gotten money from the government, uh, well, from taxpayers, from through NASA. To be able to invest in new technology, future technologies, and resupply the International Space Station so that America can once again send human beings and launch them from American soil. We haven't done that since the shuttle program ended in 2011. So we've been spending millions of dollars per seat on Soyuz rockets and capsules. Because their system is the one that we're gonna use our money on, because it's it's a it's a valuable system. It it works well, um, but that's no way to to run a space program. You can't run a space program, a human space program, without being able to have the means to launch from your own soil. I, I mean, you know, that's like that's like eating out every night at like a five star. Place. Like you can't sustain that. And with budget cuts changing constantly, you know, and having to pander, they have to make the Ferrari every time they make something. They have to really wow and ooh and ah, you know, the people that they have to beg for money every year. I mean, that's that's the point that the space program is at, and I think they smartly invested in a private industry in America. What better way to invest in American space programs than to also be investing in American companies at the same time? You know, um, that capitalism thing is not a bad thing. Too much of it, just like too much water will kill you, uh, too much of it's not good. You know, obviously chronic capitalism is awful, but capitalism, you know, investing in the, letting the individual invest, you know, they're, they're just going to work harder, you know, and you're not going to be sucking up the politicians and you're not going to be at the whim of every time the political system changes. So we're going to see a lot of what new space is going to offer. And one of the great things that, uh, the beginning of 2017 is going to bring is that SpaceX is back in the game. People, we got an update from them on January 2nd, 2019 at 9am. And so we're going to go through this. Uh, we'll read it first. I might plug in here or there, but we'll read the whole update first. And then we'll talk about uh, a few key points. So that might've made it worse. Okay. Over the past four months, officials at the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, the U.S. Air Force, the USAF, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, or NASA, the National Transportation Safety Board, the NTSB, along with several industry experts, have collaborated with SpaceX on a rigorous investigation to determine the cause of the anomaly that occurred September 1st at SpaceX Launch Complex, uh, Space Launch Complex 40, or SLC-40, which... SpaceX is calling LC-40, just Launch Complex, because they're launching it to space, so it's a little bit redundant. Regardless, back to it, uh, the anomaly that occurred September 1st at Space Launch Complex 40 at Cape Canaveral Air Force Station in Florida. The investigation team was established according to SpaceX's accident investigation plan as approved by the FAA. As the primary federal licensing body, the FAA provided oversight and coordination for the investigation. Investigators scoured more than 3,000 channels of video and telemetry data covering a very brief timeline of events. There were just 93 milliseconds from the first sign of an anomalous data to the loss of the second stage, which was followed by the loss of the vehicle. Um, because the failure occurred on the ground, investigators were able to review umbilical data, ground-based video, and physical debris. Now, they actually had that all mapped out. You know To validate investigation analysis and findings, SpaceX conducted a wide range of tests at its facilities in Hawthorne, California, and McGregor, Texas. The accident investigation team worked systematically through an extensive fault tree analysis, and concluded that one of the Three composite overwrapped pressure vessels, the COPVs, inside the second stage liquid oxygen, or LOX tank, failed. Specifically, the investigation team concluded the failure was likely due to the accumulation of oxygen between the COPV liner and overwrap in a void or a buckle in the liner, leading to ignition and the subsequent failure of the COPV. So, just to, to overview the, the rest of this article and to touch on a few things that that last paragraph said, uh, just because the episode's almost over, it's crazy, 35 minutes, I'm not used to this, this is, this, is, this is not as much time, but basically, um, the auction the got between the COPV liner and the overwrap, between the aluminum liner and the carbon fiber, or the carbon layers, and solidified essentially because the helium that was being loaded in was so uh, cold that it actually created solid oxygen, which with that solid oxygen between those fibers and between that liner, it causes friction and that friction ignition actually explodes the whole thing. So that's basically what the investigation team ended up finding. Um, You know, the several causes were the COPV failure for the COPV failure all of them had some version of the super chilled oxygen uh, buckling the overwrap. So, SpaceX is going to do a few things. Uh, first off, they're going to be allowing the helium to be loaded at a higher temperature, a warmer temperature, uh, so that way the oxygen won't freeze like it did, uh, solidify as it did. Uh, they're also going to be turning the helium loading operations to something that they did on prior. Uh, proven configurations for flight, um, which they had done over 700 times successfully uh, during the COPV loads. So, you know, down the line, SpaceX will just implement their design changes to the COPVs to prevent buckles from happening altogether, because this is something that, you know, as far as the physics go, they did not expect. So now, every time they do something new with these COPVs, or they change even those configurations, they got to make sure that you know they know this is possible now, so they're gonna probably try and eliminate the voids altogether. Which, in composites, is tough because right now, uh, unless we have find a different way, you know, if you're the voids are just something you're it's a it's a you're trying to have the least amount of voids as possible, but they're a reality. So you can limit the amount of voids as much as possible, which is great. Um, But another way that they'll probably go at it is, you know, making sure that you just don't solidify the oxygen. Because really, even though it did get, you know, into the liner, it doesn't necessarily mean that that hasn't happened before and it hasn't been a problem before. But regardless, we're finally at the point where January 8th, we're going to be seeing SpaceX get back into the game. And it's, it's a big, big launch, too. It's not just... You know a simple launch in their manifest this is a pretty historic flight for them as well because the iridium next launch uh they they signed up to be the first launch on spacex's first falcon 9 to be reused so uh, one of the falcon nines that came back and had landed successfully they have finally okayed for flight again and they're going to be relaunching that. So SpaceX will finally be entering their renewability, which uh, Blue Origins, I believe, um, they they launched uh, their original New Shepard uh, for the fourth time and landed on a mission that they didn't expect that they could land again. Because it was, I believe it was uh, a lot faster than they've ever uh, done before. So we're going to start seeing reusability be a big, big factor in this new year. Uh, those two companies are going to keep duking it out. Um, it's, it'll be very interesting. You know, I've, I've seen Blue Origin start switching because they've they've been primarily a private private company. You know, you nobody knew Blue Origin did anything until they posted a video about it. Where with SpaceX, you're knowing about it as they're doing it, um, and they're very much in the. Um, nasa aesthetic of you know making everything available to the public um but that's because the the end goal of you know what spacex is capable of doing is more at a nasa level you know we're talking about going to mars very soon with spacex and with blue origins it's just a different company you know it's a suborbital flight company uh from what i understand so both of them will be doing great things for the space industry, and they won't be getting in each other's way, which is fantastic. Um, that's another beautiful thing. So even though there may be some kind of a rivalry, um, they're both doing different things, but advancing space and, and rocketry further into the future. So it's it's amazing what we're going to see coming up here. It's good to see SpaceX out of the uh, the brush and back into flight operations. Hopefully there won't be any delays. But uh, for my birthday week, you know, this is going to be great. Um, I can't wait for a SpaceX launch. It's been a while. I'm definitely itching to see another launch and landing attempt and to see what other crazy stuff they pull off. Um, There's always something. Um, But the first reusable rocket going into the fleet again, uh, that's, that's enough. So a lot of great things to look forward to. I believe we may even see, this is speculation, but I think we may see... Uh, a falcon heavy launch this year which has been postponed which is the falcon heavy would be able to lift the most weight i believe of any rocket that we would have available to us Uh, and obviously at uh, a cheaper price than what the competitors can offer so that's going to be really exciting that's one uh, i really just can't get enough of Uh, the falcon heavy is going to be able to allow us to bring more things heavier things larger things into space than we've been able to in a very very long time um and you know the falcon heavy i believe would be able to help us get to the moon and mars as well so that's pretty incredible um you know the, and and having a lift capability with that much weight is going to let us just do more in space uh bigger and better things uh, so we we have that to look forward to and we definitely have a an interesting thing to see where politically space goes uh there's a lot of opportunity to get funding as there always is and you know anything is possible so if if you care about space don't worry i'll be giving you guys ways to Join the outreach, help us get whatever funding is needed, and to promote the private industry because the farther and farther away we can get from relying on having to grovel every few years for money, uh, the better off we're going to be. Uh, we can focus on the science and, and not uh, bureaucracy. So here's the 2017, to what's coming in the future. Uh, real quick, let's file let's through some, uh, some stats from this year on, on launches. This one is by country. So by country, uh, the orbital launch attempts are China and the U.S. tied for first at 22 launch attempts each. Russia with 19, Europe with 9, India with 7, Japan with 4, Israel with 1, and North Korea with 1 as well. Uh, Orbital launch attempts by launcher family... Uh, up at the top, the most launched rocket by family is the Long March, which is China's. Uh, Soyuz at fourteen, which is Russia's. Um, then we've got the Atlas V at eight, the Falcon Nine at eight, the PSLV at six, Ariane Five at seven launches. Then we've got other rockets are at six, which is actually more than the Delta Four. The Proton, the Vega, UR-100N, and the H-2. So a bunch of different rockets. But as far as failures, because there's also failures and in incidents uh, by country, um, zero losses, even though the asterisk there is that the Falcon 9 uh, was lost before the launch happened. So it doesn't technically count. Uh, China has had one loss. Russia has had one loss. Uh, For a total of two failures, which uh, for humankind here, let us see. What is our percentage as humankind launching into space? And we'll we'll end with that. So what, can you do it in your head? What is two out of 85 total launches? Can you do it? Can you do it? It is 2.35%. So 2.4% failure, which gives us a ninety nine point nine we'll just say eight success rate which is incredible that's that's amazing um so pretty cool statistics that is from space flight one o one and this has been today in space thank you for listening uh don't forget uh if you're interested in three d printing because we didn't even get into it this week but you can check out uh, my company a g three d printing at a g three d printingcom printing dot com or on instagram at a g three d printing where uh, i'm doing the unboxing of the new printer that we're adding to our fleet the prusa i3 mark ii so check that uh, i'm posting different parts of the build as we're going and we should be finished uh, before next episode so we'll talk about that and uh have a great week everybody you know um keep keep going after what you want to do what you love to do what fulfills you and uh keep uh keep listening to spreading science uh love y'all thank you for listening and we'll be back next week